Welcome to the Memphis Match Podcast. I'm your matchmaker and host, Sarah Biggs. Each week, we will hear from hilarious and interesting individuals, and you'll have the opportunity as the listener to connect with them. Keep listening to learn about two fun friends and potentially meet your Memphis match. All right, episode three. I am so excited for our two interviewees tonight. Before we get started, I want to remind you guys to follow Memphis Match on Instagram, share it with your friends, DM Memphis Match if you want your brother or your friend to be on the podcast. We're starting to plan for spring 2021. Um, So if you are um, a married person that's just looking out for your bestie, if you are a a sibling to a brother that you were just dying to set up, DM me at Memphis Match. Um, Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Um, And let's get started. Episode three. I'm excited for these interviewees tonight. Um, When Memphis Match was just an idea, both of these guys were supportive And they're also amazing individuals. So without further ado, let me introduce to you Cassie Vilmanay. Hello. And Clark Foy. Hey there. Why don't you tell the listeners who you are? Cassie, let's go first. First off, great job saying my last name. Crushed it. (laughs) Uh, My government name's Cassandra. A lot of people call me Cassie or Cass. Uh, My least favorite question in the world, maybe, is where are you from? Because I don't know what to say. Uh, Originally from California, I guess, and then call that home now. But I lived in Haiti in the middle and kind of of lived everywhere at this point. Um, But yeah, dry, witty sense of humor. Mm. Great time to be around. (laughs) Excited to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I have so many questions for you. I'm so excited. Clark, who are you? Well, I'm Clark Foy. I'm 32 years old from Dallas, Texas. Moved here to Memphis about six years ago after attending the University of Oklahoma and working for a few years. So I've mainly stayed, you know, in the U.S. I haven't <laughs> moved, moved around as much as some people have. You were um, in India for a while. I lived there for a summer. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that was a time. That was a time. Let me tell you. Mm-hmm. And so now I live in downtown Memphis mm-hmm. with my pup Gypsy, mm-hmm. and come from a large family. I think that's part of it. I'm a triplet, so I always kind of feel a little weird mm-hmm. not introducing, you know, the other two thirds of that birth. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? If you include my mom, you I guess, spent you know, so much time together in there. We did. Yes. We did spend a lot of time <laughs> together. Actually, my sister Melissa affectionately refers to us as the womb mates. Oh. I think that's a little weird personally, but, you know, girls tend to really go for that. So mm-hmm. she calls us out all the time. <laughs> Clark, you already introduced Gypsy. Tell me mm-hmm. about your sweet, sweet little baby foster pup. So, oh, man, I'll give you the, not the short story, not the long story. Although, I, you know me, I do love giving long stories. Yes, Clark is a storyteller. I do love a captive audience. <laughs> Even when they don't know that they're captive. (laughs) So I had been fostering a dog back in November of last year. So about Mm -hmm. a year ago, Mm -hmm. uh, I got a dog named Natalie Woods. Mm -hmm. Not my choice of name. And that dog. (laughs) Like the actress? Like the actress. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The guy that found her had literally found her in the woods. And so he named her Natalie Woods. My man, that's like. 90% 90% of dogs, you know, that you're describing, <laughs> saying we found them in, you know, like a forest or something, right? So I took Natalie home, literally felt... I'm so sorry, it's a human name. <laughs> yeah, that's really weird. I'm very uncomfortable. It was great. 
Uh, you know, I, I'm more, you know, called her other things too. So it wasn't just <laughs> Natalie all the time. Um, so anyway, this is not even about Gypsy, but I got into fostering dogs, gave Natalie away like four or five months later because mm-hmm. the foster foundation I was with had this hiccup in their system. Natalie got kicked off the sites. And so, I mean, all the Memphis sites. So like she wasn't even up for adoption 90% of the time I had her. Mm-hmm. And of course, what happened was I got super attached to this dog. Mm. Uh, someone hit me up for her. And I literally spent like two weeks just being like, hope you're okay with an aggressive dog because this one might rip your face off, right? <laughs> just trying to dissuade him. Hey, have you heard, you know, PetSmart, they sell dogs sometimes, you know? I mean, just trying to get him to other avenues. And this dog left. And I literally, I like went upstairs because three weeks before this, I, I was not attached to this dog at all. I don't know how this happened, but I sit down and I just like wept on my bed <laughs> and it was uh so i think it took me like three weeks to get like back into the dog fostering game mm-hmm. um there i found a dog that looked very similar to natalie mm-hmm. who's gypsy right mm-hmm. she's a white and black staffordshire terrier mm-hmm. and labrador retriever mix we went out to a compound where she and four other dogs were being kept mm-hmm. in a really really bad situation actually it was a cement structure mm-hmm. they were all kept in like two by three foot cells and so we actually saved all five of those dogs that day. Like I drove down there with one of these dog rescuer, you know, guys mm-hmm. and uh, a guy named Dan, a good a, a friend of mine from the fostering community. And we took all of them back and rehomed four of them. Mm-hmm. I fostered Gypsy and told her daily she was not staying, that she was just a guest and <laughs> <laughs> not a resident of the household. Aww. And she just run me, won me over. I think it was four weeks before quarantine mm-hmm. that I got her. And mm-hmm. so then I'm stuck with her. Right. Mm-hmm. And she just won my heart. I mean, now I'm to the point where I'm so glad that I gave Natalie up and gypsy's like, gypsy's my, my soul dog for sure. Oh, you know what I mean? for sure. Mm-hmm. When I see Clark around gypsy, he transforms into the most ultimate dad, dog dad mm-hmm. <laughs> to ever exist. It's I mean, kind of you, sad, yeah. you have voices with gypsy, I have, gy- I have voices for Gypsy. Let's, let's, not, let's not twist it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, that's, that's make, out there now in the public, yeah. in the public atmosphere. That's out there in recorded <laughs> online media forever. Let's make that distinction. <laughs> I feel like okay. you just found your soundbite well, for the I, preview of this episode. I uh, can't run for office anymore. Uh, <laughs> well, let's change the subject. <laughs> Cassie, you've lived in a ton of places. Yes, I have. Um, which, by the way, you went to Cornell. I did. But you talk about it less than Andy from The Office. I absolutely do. <laughs> I absolutely 100% do because no one wants to be around someone who talks about where they went to school that much. No one at all. Okay. I really love that I found that out about you. And um, anyway, so uh, your favorite place that you've lived so I'm gonna. I'm just gonna ignore the question that you asked and answer instead. <laughs> uh, favorite pl- things about the places I've lived. Okay, perfect. Uh, so where I'm from in California is uh, kind of the middle of nowhere in a sense. But the beautiful thing about it is that you're about two hours from any climate or like environment you want to be in. You want mm-hmm. like a city feel. Mm-hmm. Two hours to San Francisco. You mm-hmm. want to go uh, snowboarding or skiing in the winter. You can get there in less than two hours or two hours depending on where you're going. But then you get to come home to like the comfort and warmth of the valley and not have having to like mm-hmm. shovel your driveway and stuff. Mm-hmm. If you want to be on a lake, Lake Tahoe's only a couple hours away. Like it's great. You're just easy access to everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, I lived in Haiti for about seven years as a kid. Um, 
which was awesome. And I think probably favorite things about there were uh, tropical fruits uh, in abundance and also beaches like I would probably never experience in any other season of my life. Mm -hmm. Where else have I lived? Uh, What were your favorite tropical fruits? Oh, mangoes are definitely the fave. Mm -hmm. Top of the list. Um, Thank you. Um, But coconuts and papayas, like all the fruit juices, like so many great things. Wow. That sounds really good. Yeah. Okay. One cool thing about both of you guys is you, well, actually, Cassie, you know a little bit about everything. You're kind of like a trivia queen. Kind of. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So what is your, you're kind of, I would say, and you can disagree with me. I would say you're a researcher at heart. Would you agree with that? To an extent, yeah. Okay. What is your favorite thing on the World Wide Web to rabbit hole research? I don't know what my favorite thing would be, um, but it's really fun. I love the show on Netflix, The Crown. Um, mm, yes. And as I'm watching it, I always find myself in this moment of like, did that actually happen? Like, is mm-hmm. this real? Yeah, I did uh, And so then I end up on Wikipedia, like fact checking these people's lives, mm-hmm. being like, did they actually end up with this person? Did this really happen? And mm-hmm. then next thing I know, I'm like 10 uh, articles deep into Wikipedia, reading about like some weird British parliamentary uh, like yes. structure or something that has no bearing on my actual life. But mm-hmm. somehow I always end up there without fail. Yeah, I always look up the costumes. Ooh, so the yeah. costumes on the crown are amazing. They're so good compared with, you know, real life. Um, yeah, for me, rabbit hole researching hashtag throat singing. If you guys, <laughs> I have no idea. I, I know the a look I'm giving of... you is not coming across the sound <laughs> waves, but it's a very perplexed one. Yeah, um, a lot of cultures throat sing. So if you get on Instagram, like look up people. look up the hashtag throat singing. Okay. Just trust me. On I this. will. I will look this up. I really will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So you guys know a bit about alcohol. So Clark, you even brewed your own beer for a while, right? Still do. Mm-hmm. Oh, you do. I still do. Mm-hmm. Okay. What kind of beer do you brew? So it's all ales. Okay. So if you make the distinction between like a lager, like I can't brew a lager, mm-hmm. um, but I've brewed IPAs, an EPA, an English strong ale, an mm-hmm. ESA, but that's. A little bit less popular, a Pilsner, an American Pale Ale. Mm-hmm. I mean, a Honey Nut Brown Ale. Ooh, that sounds yummy. I did a chocolate oatmeal stout. That does not sound yummy. Yeah, it that's was a lot happening. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. That sounds like it would make your you? chin yeah. hair grow. <laughs> <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> depending on who you are, I guess, you know, it's a good or bad thing. Or so. do you have a favorite brewery or place to drink beer in Memphis? Okay, so... I think consistently I drink probably more Wiseacre beer like a lot of people do here in mm-hmm. the city. I, my favorite beer that's ever come through this town was actually a Ghost River yeah. beer like two years ago. Yeah. It was called a Malt Bomb. Mm-hmm. And it was a Martin Ale that was absolutely fantastic. But I'm I'm really, really liking some of these other breweries that are popping up. And then the atmospheres at like the downtown mm-hmm. Wiseacre is amazing. Grind City Brewery has been mm-hmm. incredible. Um, even the the one at Crosstown. Uh, Crosstown Brewing has been really, really cool to go to a few times. And so I still have not made it out to Cordova to go to the brewery out there, but mm-hmm. their beer to me is uh, seems to be some of the best beer in the city. Mm. Mm-hmm. Do you judge people for what beer they order? Absolutely not. <laughs> no. I am like totally... Because, you know, my favorite drink of choice, right, would be scotch. That's mm-hmm. kind of right there above beer. But, you know, distilling scotch, 
takes like 10 years. Beer takes like three months. <laughs> I'll be 41 then. <laughs> 42, 42 then. Yeah. <laughs> so who's counting? I'm not self-conscious. But the as far as... The, <laughs> it's weird to talk about turning 40-something. Yeah, don't It wasn't talk weird about, it. about talking about being 20-something or 30-something, but talking about being 40-something is terrible. I can imagine that would be weird. I'm yeah, not my, quite my there yet. Is, <laughs> my face is flushed right now. But yeah. Anyway, yeah. The, the, the whole... Some people put, you know, ice in their scotch. Some people don't. I'm like, do whatever you want, you know? Mm-hmm. Who cares? Like, I'm not consuming what you're consuming. Yeah. So do what you want, man. Live live your scotch life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, Cassie, you love wine, or you know a lot about wine. Yeah. Okay, what is your favorite wine? My favorite also, wine. Also, how did you learn about wine? Yeah, so at Cornell, um, some of Cornell's like schools and colleges are uh, land-grant institutions, mm-hmm. which basically just means that we have a really big ag school, which includes a like viticulture and enology program. Mm-hmm. And then we also have a school of uh, hotel administration. So they offer this class every semester called Introduction to Wines. It's like a 700-person class, and it's like the official senior thing to do at Cornell. Every senior tries to get into this class. And it's funny because before taking this class, I had like a sort of like passing interest in like, yeah, I should probably learn more about this, but like, mm-hmm. I don't really know anything. And like, also I'm kind of fine if I don't learn things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a bunch of my friends were taking the class and I was like, I mean, it sounds like a great way to spend a Wednesday afternoon. <laughs> so I took this class and every week for that last semester of college, you would spend two hours on a Wednesday afternoon, just getting to taste five to seven wines uh, from different wine growing regions in the world and then learning all of the facts about different wine growing regions and processes and all of these different things. And then it was really awesome because my last day of school, Lord willing ever, please Jesus, don't make me go to grad school, <laughs> um, was spent learning about sparkling wines and champagne, which mm. was super awesome. It was literally the only class I had that day. It was like two o'clock in the afternoon. It was fantastic. Uh, but my favorite wine is probably a Gewurztraminer from uh, either the Alsace region in France or like the neighboring part of Germany. Wow. So if I was like, I want that, I want to try that, could I get it? Yeah. Um, It wouldn't be super easy to come by just because you find a lot of American grown uh, Gewurztraminers in grocery stores usually. But like if you went to like... um, probably to like Buster's or something since they have like Mm -hmm. an absurd uh, selection of alcohol. Uh, You could probably find that from that region. Okay, cool. Okay, speaking of classes that one takes in college, I took ballroom dancing. Yes, queen. Okay, guess who else in this room has taken ballroom dancing? Well, it wasn't me. (laughs) Clark. Clark, one Mm -hmm. of the things I love about you is you are willing to try new things. This is true. Yeah, this mm-hmm. has been said. And so mm-hmm. even since your time in Memphis, which I've known you for five or six years. Six years, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Six years. And it was the best of times <laughs> and it was the worst of times. <laughs> <laughs> You're really going to quote some Dickens right now? Wow. Okay. So um, you've picked up several new hobbies. Just give me give me a brief overview. So Memphis has been... It's been interesting. There's several things that I've definitely learned here. Mm-hmm. Ballroom actually goes back to college oh. when I made a desperate attempt to pick up girls with my fraternity brothers. <laughs> True story. I love the Lame. Honesty. Lame. It uh, was nominally effective. I'm not going to say very effective. But we, uh, we, you know, they were all goofing off, getting plastered before it and whatever. And mm-hmm. I just, I got mono that semester and had to drop it because you know they didn't want me like touching people i get that i get that i mean i do too i wasn't (laughs) complaining 
So whenever I came back, I took it again because I'd already done it and I didn't get the credit hours. So I was able, able to retake the class again. And then I was in there by myself mm-hmm. and it enjoyed it quite a bit actually, mm-hmm. but wasn't totally comfortable in letting people know that. Mm-hmm. And so I did that for, I believe it was two years at OU and oh. I made, made it all the way through like the advanced class. That's amazing. Did a few competitions, that type of thing. Oh, and it was respect. just like a, but it was just a, you know, basic competition. This isn't like the dancing with the stars stuff you see. Mm-hmm. This is very entry level stuff. And that was something I kind of put on the back burner. But since coming to Memphis, I took up ballroom again for a couple years. I uh, got really into weightlifting, got really into beer brewing. This, this is where I learned to brew beer was mm-hmm. over in East Memphis with a friend of mine. Um, I took up boxing for a season. That's actually kind of a funny story because I'm actually 1-0 in all my... <laughs> My my matches, if you want to call them mm-hmm. that, and I actually won by a technical knockout TKO because <laughs> the guy, the little known Blake, TKO. Uh, this guy named Blake that I was boxing at the time dodged one of my many punches that I threw at him. He dodged like all of them. I don't think I touched him one time, mm-hmm. and he broke his ankle. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I ended oh, up winning. <laughs> Well, rats. <laughs> Landed on his ankle rug and it snapped. So, Aww. yeah, there's there's a good uh, list of other things that I do. Like, I collect records. I'm really mm-hmm. big into music. I'm a big fantasy football junkie and sports guy. So, I, I like to say I'm a well-rounded individual, you know? I would agree with that. Thank you. And one fun thing is, was it last year? Was it the year before that? Was it two years ago that you participated in your first play? Oh, this was actually at your behest. So let's not, <laughs> let's not lose that flavor, that flavoring spice of this story. But yes, <laughs> I was in a play here at Theater Memphis. It was Little Women. I spoke three lines, four if you count the ad lib line that I had. <laughs> you nailed it. And uh, I was one of the uh, special the special cast members that got to play two characters. Mm-hmm. It was Ned Moffat and Boarding House Resident. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Boarding House Resident, BHR, as I affectionately call him. But you had a mm-hmm. fake mustache for that one. I did so have a fake mustache. He's a very complex guy, really hard to get into. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very dark. A lot of method acting went on. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay, well, that I just wanted to highlight that you, yeah, you are a real, well-rounded individual. I also individual. play the drums, so... That's mm-hmm. that's another that's another little facet of all that. I love well, I've never heard you play the drums and I think I'm mad about that. Okay, Cassie, you have a lot of hobbies as well. You like to bake and cook. You oh you know what you did not say when you introduced yourself? You speak three languages. Cassie. But Cassie. Well, you need to lead with this. Unbelievable. No, that's the first thing you said. I don't lead with a lot of things. Let's be honest here. IQ uh, of 190. <laughs> no, I think, I mean, that's part of why I don't lead with stuff like that. Because people are like, so you're a genius, right? And I'm like, no, definitely not. Uh, Wait, so, which languages? So I've studied five languages altogether, including English. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was trilingual as a kid because, like I mentioned, we lived in Haiti. And so mm-hmm. all of my like elementary school education was in French. Mm-hmm. So I'd speak French at school, English at home. And then mm-hmm. Haitians also speak Haitian Creole, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of like a blend of Haitian and, or <laughs> Haitian, French and uh, Swahili and some other African mm-hmm. uh, languages. And then in high school, uh, we lived in the middle of nowhere, as I mentioned earlier. And so my options were Spanish and Italian. So I took Spanish for two years because got to get them language credits to get into college. Yes. And then uh, after college, I lived in East Asia for about a year uh, and picked up uh, some Mandarin while I was there. Wow. Okay. Well, 
I don't I don't want to um you know belabor the point that you are indeed smart. <laughs> <laughs> Did you think about a strategic way to say that and you're just like, nah, never mind. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just, just gonna, gonna come right I'm just with it. Say, yeah. Cassie's a smart girl. <laughs> Call a spade a spade over here at Memphis Match. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Real straight shooter. Okay, we're going to move into a new segment of our show called Make It or Break It. Ayo, you guys know how to play this game. Basically, I'm going to read something to you and you tell me if it's a deal breaker or a deal maker. Are you ready for this? (laughs) Wait. Okay. Ah, there's so many things I want to talk about with you, Cassie, but we don't have time. Okay. Make it or break it. They are perfect in every way, yet they only eat chicken tendies. Oh, hard pass. (laughs) Oh, that's a hard make. Are you kidding me? If he calls them chicken tendies? I was expecting no way. Well, she calls them chicken tendies. We don't know that subject of, you know... I mean, if he doesn't call them chicken tendies, maybe we probably still know. <laughs> is, is, is the sub, is like point like sub n- number two, they also call them tendies at all times? I think they say, I'd like the chicken tendies. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a no. Okay, okay, so I just like the predictability. It's cheap. It's affordable. That, yeah, that's no, a cheap date right there. Right, but like Absolutely. adventure, live a little, like try new things, no, get out the there. No, the freezer up with chicken tenders. I'll eat all the steak and eggs in the fridge. <laughs> it's done. Okay, next one. They need all their food temperature to be tepid. <laughs> Lukewarm. All of their food temperature? Yeah. It depends on why. Because that's super weird. (laughs) Okay, so I have a question. Very important question. Do they do they cook the food like meats, like chicken? Oh, and then cook it to temperature question. to get rid of you know like E. coli, salmonella. Right. That type of right. <laughs> so I guess it it yes. Or am I constantly fronting the medical bills for like my chronically food ill? You know, <laughs> coming to the food ill life. I guess they would let the food sit until it was just mildly warm. So when you take your uh, wife or significant other to the ER for the third mm, time in a week, they're not exactly, looking at you sideways, right, going, like, "What's happening at home?" Exactly. Exactly. It's like this is the food, like or the the third foodborne illness that that they've contracted. I would I would say I would I would make that with the condition (laughs) that I get to eat my food at whatever temperature I want to. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. But when they make food, it's tepid. Is it tepid ice cream? (laughs) Yes. Why would you do that? That's weird. All of it. Okay, they insist on wearing a monocle. Cassie, I mean, you went to Cornell. I feel like this is a this is an easy yes for you. Uh, I mean, that's one way of looking at things. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I would agree with that. But through, through a monocle, looking at through things. a monocle, yeah. through the monocle. Uh, that's again, You're a fan it's just of the so crown. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Yeah, I would say no they on get, that one. They get jumpy and confused. Every time the air conditioner kicks on. <laughs> 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 so it's like, what was that? <laughs> I feel like I could look the other way for that one. It would probably get annoying after a few years, but I think I could chicken titties annoys you. But wow. Okay, so I'm that's so the that's the most questionable one on my list because you're at a wedding, right? Mm-hmm. It's like <laughs> you're at a funeral. <laughs> right? I mean, it's like <laughs> So I, yeah, I'd, I'd say I'd say I'd break uh, that moment one. Moment of silence. Yeah. Air conditioning comes okay. on. <laughs> they are extreme doomsday preppers. We're talking stockpiling duct tape, food, knives, knife sharpeners, batteries, and obviously you guys would have a garden. A garden? Yeah. Oh, like a food? Mm-hmm. Oh, am I allowed to eat that food? Oh, well, for sure, but all of it would probably be canned. Mm. Mm. 
Yeah, I'm going to let you go first on this one. I don't know. That's just strikes me as very odd, and I'm just kind of like, I want to say no, but I also think of like my old boss who was like, not an extreme doomsday prepper, but maybe a little bit of a doomsday prepper. (laughs) A little bit. And I'm like, he was a cool dude, so maybe. I so so after I wrote this down, I started googling doomsday preppers. Of course, and I I decided, wow, I think I actually I think that's actually a deal maker for me because I think I like a planner. Oh yeah, absolutely. And now think about a lot of the stuff that you said in there were were cool individual items. Like mm-hmm. if you take out doomsday prep and like they just have like a bunch of like guns and knives and mm-hmm. knives sharpeners, but they're going to be garden. So, so it's just branding. Be a little weird, though. I, so it's all just branding. You know, mm-hmm. you just gotta you just gotta spin. But that they're thing. perfect in every way except except they have so this crazy. one flavor of you know doomsday prep. And with that comes like a little bit of anxiety. I'd make this one. Okay. Yeah, you can't talk me out of this one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well. um... I hope that you guys enjoyed that. I feel like I learned a little bit about you. (laughs) (laughs) Couple of last questions for both of you. Mm -hmm. Um, What are you guys reading right now? I am reading. I did not know who was supposed to go first there. Uh, So yeah, I have this weird thing. If I'm not reading like multiple books, then I don't read. So Mm -hmm. I have to keep things fresh. But I just started Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. I'm reading The Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. And then I am reading East of Eden by John Steinbeck. Those are the Mm. three that are up there right now. Cool. Cassie? Uh, Currently reading Desiring God by John Piper and None Like Him by Jen Wilkin with one of my best friends from college. I have that one. I love that. Um, Okay. Well, what is, quickly before we wrap up, your perfect day in Memphis? Perfect day in Memphis. I mean, perfect day anywhere I get to sleep in. I'm mm-hmm. not really a morning person. Mm-hmm. kind of hate mornings. Um, so I get to sleep in. Amen. It's a, thank you. Mm-hmm. It's like a sunny day, uh, probably in the spring, so the weather's nice. Uh, meet up with friends for either coffee or breakfast to start the day. Um, come home, take a nap for probably a good couple hours. Spend some time outside in the afternoon, um, probably with like roommates or friends or somebody. Uh, as you can tell, I'm an extrovert, uh, and then probably close the night out with, uh, I've spent a lot of time in the last couple of months hanging out with my pastor and his family. Mm -hmm. So probably hanging out with them and doing like movie night or something. Mm -hmm. I love it. Clark. Mm. Well, first off setting May, the -hmm. month of May, because the month of May in Memphis is amazing. And I think the weather's just beautiful. You've got the music festival going on that Mm -hmm. month, all the different stuff downtown and in midtown. Mm -hmm. Um, but First things first, the day would end at Rayford's, the perfect day. Okay, <laughs> But so, it would be moving into the next day at that point. Sure, sure, <laughs> which is a great bridge into mm-hmm. the next day. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm not talking about being there at 4 a.m., mm-hmm. okay? But it would definitely end there for at mm-hmm. least a, you know, for at least a half hour, mm-hmm. maybe an hour. Uh, but no, I would definitely not wake up to an alarm. I would start my morning with a dog walk with Gypsy mm-hmm. and uh, some coffee. Mm-hmm some good time reading and writing. And then I would get into kind of more of like a social flow after that. I love getting to go and try new foods. So there would be like a lunch or a brunch or something like that. And then the, the tail end of the day, you know, after, you know, maybe we'd hit up like a record store or something like that. And Cooper young, I get to be able to be around a lot of different people though. And then there'd be like an event, you know, I'm like a big events Mm -hmm. guy, Mm -hmm. like with the word big modifying, like, events guy you know what I mean (laughs) and so I want there to be like a concert or -hmm. like a Grizzlies game Mm -hmm. or like Memphis in May like Mm -hmm. a music festival to go to something like that 
and then we take it to Rayford's afterwards. <laughs> that would be my perfect and then we end the after party. Mm. And then and you can watch me play the drums. Oh, yes, finally. Because you're going to be there. Yeah. I'll be there. Thanks for, sure. for inviting me. You're welcome. Oh, in your perfect day. In my perfect day. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> May 2021, everybody. Catch Jeez. us at Rayford's. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have enjoyed getting to know you both mm-hmm. a little bit more. Uh, if people want to get to know you a little bit more, how can they do that? I'm going to tag you on Instagram, obviously. Yeah. So like I am amenable to someone sliding into my DMs, but I'm also like not on the app Instagram very often. So I might not see it for a minute. So mm-hmm. maybe either it's up on LinkedIn or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Definitely not. That's <laughs> just creepy. Uh, yeah. No, probably just like find my friends and then tell them to tell me to check my Instagram or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Clark. I think that's a fine way to do it. I'm not very active on the socials. Yes, so you don't post a lot. I don't post a lot. And when I do, it's pretty bad. So <laughs> the, It's okay. I love that I you do, don't post a filtered life. Well, thank you. I really, yeah, I like to keep it real, mm-hmm. you know? I, I don't really. I don't know. Got to keep it hashtag no filter. I know, mm-hmm. right? No, but so, I mean, yeah, hit me up on Instagram, Facebook. You can go through Sarah. I'm sure Sarah would love to text me oh, that text. Oh, yeah. would I love <laughs> to connect you with Clark? That so, would be You can definitely delight. hit up the Memphis Magic account. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. my uh, my profile is now set to not private. So Ooh, it's public. Well, thanks for making, making mm-hmm. yourself available to uh, some future. Anything for Memphis Match, you know? Well, thank you, Clark. Uh, well, also, huge thank thank you to Audrey Eastman, Lauren Kirkendall for helping make this happen. This couldn't happen without a team. You guys are amazing. And here's to future Memphis matches. Hey, cheers. <laughs>